With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out A Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast. Today is Monday. It is the 8th of January. Hope you're all well and having a good day and had a nice weekend as well. I know I did. Uh, let's get straight into the weekend's FA Cup action. As everybody knows, Crystal Palace and Everton played out a nil-nil draw on Thursday night. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Loon, soft red card, probably gets overturned on appeal. Uh, they have a replay set for the 17th of January. 
Uh, Friday night's games. Brentford won, Wolves won. Joe Gomes sent off after nine minutes. Was a bit of a nasty tackle, to be fair. Uh, Neil Mopay put Brentford one up on 41 minutes. Tommy Doyle equalised on 64. And it ended 1-1. That game will be replayed on either the 16th or 17th of January. That is not set as yet. Uh, Moving on. Fulham won Rotherham nil. Bobby D. Cordova Reed with the only goal of the game. And Fulham advance into the next round. Tottenham won Burnley nil. Tottenham made hard work of this, made really hard work of this. But Pedro Porro scored an absolute screamer on 78 minutes to give them the win and send them through. On to Saturday then, and Maidstone United confirmed their place in the fourth round. They're, of course, the lowest-ranked team in the FA Cup this season or in the the main body of the FA Cup when all the big guns come in. Uh, 1-0 victory over Stevenage, a goal from Sam Corn from the penalty spot just before half-time. And the National League South team are in the fourth round. Uh, Moving on from them, Coventry 6, Oxford United 2. Ben Sheaf, Joel Lettepedere, Ben Sheaf, Casey Palmer, Callum O'Hare and two late goals from Matt Godden, Mark Harris and Tyler Goodrum with the goals for Oxford 6-2 6-2 maybe a little bit flattering based on, on what we're seeing here with the two late goals, but it was 4-1 for a considerable period of time, so maybe 6-2 is fair. Um, Coventry through, and that's a big boost for them. They could use a boost because their prep, their championship season is not going the way they would have hoped, and getting a little run in the cup might spur them in the league as well. Uh, Millwall 2, Leicester 3. Cesare Caicedo opened the scoring on 16. Ricardo Pereira made a two on 39. Millwall pulled one back through Duncan Watmore. But then Tom Cannon made a 3-1. Uh, Zion Fleming pulled back a late consolation for Millwall, but it was to no avail. Uh, AFC won- Wimbledon won. Ipswich Town three. Uh, Josh Davison own goal put Ipswich one up before Mark Reeves equalized in the penalty spot. Axel Tunzebi made it 2-1 to Ipswich. And Jack Taylor made it 3. Harry Pell sent off for AFC Wimbledon in that one. Sunderland nil, Newcastle United 3. Uh, Daniel Ballard own goal. Alexander Isak just after halftime. And then a late penalty from Isak to make it 3. The Toon thoroughly deserved to win. 3-0 a little bit flattering, a little bit flattering. Was notable the tune went basically full strength. Now they did make changes throughout the game, but it was notable that they went full strength. Um, Eddie Howe very clearly under a bit of pressure and scrambling at the moment. Watford two, Chesterfield one. Chesterfield went one up through Joe Quigley. Uh, Mileta Rajoyevich equalized on 76 minutes. Tom Dele Bashuru giving Watford a late winner to send them through to the fourth round. Stoke two, Brighton four. Stoke went one up. Van Hecke with an own goal. Estupin and equalized just before half time. Lewis Dunk put Brighton two one up, but then Lewis Baker equalized in the penalty spot. João Pedro with two goals to send. Brighton through and his great form just continues. He has been absolutely tremendous. The last probably two months, he's been playing at a very, very high level. Big money spent on him in the summer, close to 30 million. Brighton moved quickly to get that deal done in May before the season was even over. And he really is showing his class. 15 goals in all competitions this season, seven in the Premier League. Two now, obviously, in the FA Cup and six in the Europa League. 
So he's scoring across the board. He's obviously shown his ability from the penalty spot, but his open play goal is very, very impressive as well. I think he's going to be a top, top player. And when you look at the talent of Brighton, it really is an exciting time for that club. And not just now, but the next few years as well. Like It looks like they're about to add Barco from Boca Juniors. They're also being linked to the young Copenhagen mid uh, Copenhagen winger, is it Ronnie Bargley or Bardali? Um, if they were to land both of them, you've got Buenanote there, you've got a Dingra there, obviously Matoma, you've got Enciso to come back, you've got Joe Pedro, you've got um, the supremely talented Evan Ferguson, you've got Kasper Kozlowski to come back off loan, you've got Andrew Moran to come back off loan. All right, that's a hell of an attacking group. And Solly March when he comes back from injury as well. Uh, moving on, Gillingham nil, Sheffield United four, William Asola with two, James McAtee with two, and Sheffield United get themselves up and running in the cup. As I said to Guy on Friday, the last time they were in the league, they had a bit of a cup run and it kind of sparked things in the league a little bit, not to the extent that they stayed up, obviously, but it did improve them. Maybe this season it'll improve them. This season, they have one point more after 20 games than they did in 2021 after 20 games. This season, the league isn't quite as strong at the bottom as it was that year. So they do still have a chance despite a fairly dismal first half of the season. Uh, Moving on, Blackburn Rovers 5, Cambridge United 2. Jack Lancaster put Cambridge one up. Sammy Smodic equalized on 23 minutes. Suli Keikai put Cambridge 2-1 up. Smodic scored again. Then he completed a hat-trick before halftime. Arnor Sigurdsson made it 4-2 on 66 and Harry Leonard on 81. Smodic is having an unbelievably good season. If I'm not mistaken... He's the top scorer in the championship so far this season. Um, He has 19 goals now in all competitions, 16 in the league. I'm almost certain he is the top scorer in the championship. He is by three goals. And obviously, what's most impressive with that is he's not a number nine. plays as an attacking midfielder. I'm very, very hopeful that in the next international squad, he'll be called up to the Irish team. I don't understand how it is that he hasn't been called up by now. I I tell a lie, he has been called up, but he hasn't played. He's been called up, it looks like, twice. Very, very talented player. It's a shame he's 28, because if he was 21, 22 and having this run, he'd be looking at a Premier League move. Uh, moving on. Newport County won, Eastley won. James Clark put Newport one up. Chris Maguire equalised from the penalty spot. Eastley played the better part of seven uh, of 60 minutes, including stoppage time with 10 men after George Langston was sent off. So really good result for them. And they'll get a replay now in the hopes of advancing. Norwich won. Bristol Rovers won. Ashley Barnes opened the scoring. Grant Ward equalised for for Bristol. And uh, that one will go to replay. Obviously, Norwich will be disappointed there. QPR 2, Bournemouth 3. QPR went 2-0 up. Sinclair Armstrong and Lyndon Dykes had them 2-0 up at half-time. Marcus Tavernier, Kiefer Moore and Justin Clivert got the second-half goals and Bournemouth are through. Disappointing for QPR, but not a surprise considering where they are in the league. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Plymouth Argyle 3, Sutton United 1. Luke Cundall put Plymouth 1 up. The angle equalized in the second half for Sutton. Ryan Hardy put Plymouth 2-1 up from the penalty spot. And a late goal from young star Morgan Whitaker, who's having a really good season uh, for Plymouth, made it three and secured their passage to the fourth round. Southampton four, Walsall nil. Ryan Fraser with two, Seiko Maro at one, and Che Adams with the final goal. Uh, good to see Seiko Maro scoring. I am a fan. I would like to see him do well. It's it's interesting when you look at that. Like that's a heavily rotated Southampton team, obviously. But there are some really talented players still at that club, even with all that left in the summer and all that were left out of that that match day squad for one reason or another, rest, injury, suspension, whatever. <clears throat> There's still some really good players there, like Taylor Howard Bellis, Carlos Alcaraz, Sekumara. All three of them belong in the Premier League. Um, Hull City won, Birmingham City won. Birmingham went one up on 18 minutes. Hull pulled a late equaliser out of their backsides on the 87th minute through Matthew James Jacob. And that one will go to replay. In other Birmingham news, uh, Tony Mowbray has been confirmed as their new manager. And um, he's obviously got a wealth of experience, especially in the championship. He's a bit of a mixed bag of a manager, though. Like, he's done well in some places and then not done at all well in others. You look back, he started off at Hibernian. He did well there. He went to West Brom. He did well there. He got the Celtic job. He was a disaster. He went to Borough. He was okay at Borough. He was poor at Coventry. He did okay at Blackburn. I thought he was doing a pretty good job at Sunderland. Um, all things considered, they've decided to move on from him, even though they were in the playoffs when he was let go. But no surprise to see him land on his feet fairly quickly. Um, I, I, I do think he's a decent manager. He plays good football as well, which is always important. And I do think that's part of what made him attractive to these owners because I think that's a big part of their selling point. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday 4, Cardiff nil. I think I picked Sheffield Wednesday to win the game, but I'm surprised it was so heavily one-sided. Um, but when you look at the stats, which we'll come to, it it tells a very strange story. Uh, so Josh Winder scores on two minutes, Romain Sawyer scores an own goal on 38, and Liam Palmer makes it 3-0 before half-time for Wednesday. Malik Wilkes scores in the last minute to make it 4-0. Sheffield Wednesday had 12 shots in the game and six on target, scored four goals. Cardiff had 22 shots and nine on target and couldn't find a goal. It's either poor finishing or great goalkeeping, one or the other. Um, Moving on, Chelsea 4, Preston 0. Uh, Chelsea struggled in this one in the first half. Now, they were dominant, but they struggled to find a goal. Armando Brogia, Thiago Silva and Raheem Sterling put them 3-0 up. Um, All goals coming within 11 minutes of each other from the 58th to 69th minute. And then Enzo Fernandez wrapped it up late on to put the icing on the cake and make it seem more convincing than it was. Swansea 2, Morecambe nil. Charlie Patino in unknown from Arsenal, such a talented player. And Jerry Yates giving Swansea the win. So through they go. Uh, Middlesbrough 1, Aston Villa nil. Maddie Cash deflected goal, the 87th minute. Villa were probably the better team. But to Borough's credit, I thought they did themselves... Um, thought they themselves proud. They thought they were pretty good, to be fair. A couple of really good players in that team. Obviously, Hayden Hackney, we've talked about before, but Sam Greenwood, uh, he's an unknown from Leeds. He looks a player as well. 
Just looks like he needs a chance. Uh, West Ham won, Bristol City won. Big disappointment for West Ham here. Jared Bowen put them one up on four minutes and they dominated for a substantial period of the game. But they let Bristol back in and Tommy Conway equalised on 61. And we get a draw and now West Ham have to go to Ashton Gate for a replay. Uh, Nottingham Forest 2, Blackpool 2. Forest went 2-0 down at home to Blackpool. Jordan Lawrence Gabriel and Albie Morgan with the goals. Nicholas Dominguez got one back for Forrest before halftime, and then Morgan Gibbs-White in the second half made it 2-2. So replay needed there. Luton nil, Bolton nil. Replay needed there. Disappointing for Luton, especially at home to a lower league side. Uh, Peterborough nil, Leeds United 3. Ethan Ampadu opened the scoring. Patrick Bamford scored the best goal you'll, you'll see anywhere over the weekend. Um, on 47 to make it two, and then Ampadu wrapped it up on 90. Uh, just a good convincing win from Leeds, frankly. Uh, Shrewsbury nil, Wrexham won. Thomas O'Connor with the only goal of the game. West Brom four, Aldershot one. Nathaniel Chalaba opened the scoring. Javon Malcolm made it two on 15. Daryl Dyke made it three on 27. And Tom Fellows made it 4-0 on 88. Oliver Bray pulled one back for Aldershot in the 95th minute, but obviously far too little, far too late. But at least they got themselves a goal. Uh, Manchester City 5, Huddersfield 0. Phil Foden opened the scoring. Julian Alvarez made it 2. Ben Jackson own goal made it 3. Phil Foden made it 4. And then Jeremy Doku wrapped it up. And made it five. But the most notable thing about this game was the return of one Kevin De Bruyne, who, look, the guy is City's best player. He's arguably still the best player in the Premier League. He's certainly one of the top two or three at very least. And getting him back is massive for City. Now, someone needs to show him a mirror and advise him to consult with a barber and change that barnet because it looks atrocious. But he is still an incredible footballer, and that is the most important thing. So uh, City will be thrilled to have him back. Finally, then, the big game of the weekend, Arsenal nil, Liverpool 2. Um, Arsenal dominated the first half. Liverpool were the better team in the second half. Arsenal couldn't score. Liverpool scored two goals, and Liverpool go through. This was a heavily rotated Liverpool team missing a number of starters. No Van Dijk, no Robertson, no Sabozlai, no Salah. There's four starters. Absent. Unavailable. You could make a case that Alcantara is in their best 11, but he doesn't play very often, so we'll just leave him out. But four starters missing. Arsenal, on the other hand, they started Aaron Ramsdale, but David Raya was on the bench. So he had his choice of goalkeepers. He went with Ramsdale. Ben White played, William Saliba played, Gabriel played. No Zinchenko. So there's one starter missing. Jakob Kiwar came in for him. Odegaard started, Rice started, and Jorginho started. Now, Kai Havertz started up front. He would be the nominal left-sided midfielder. So all three of the starting midfielders were there. And then Bakayo Saka and Reese Nelson both... Bakayo Saka started. Reese Nelson started instead of Martinelli, who came off the bench. Gabriel Jesus is missing. So Arsenal are missing two starters. Now, they'll make a case that they're missing Thomas Partey. But let's not forget that they signed Declan Rice to replace Thomas Partey and have spent the entire first half of the season telling us that Declan Rice is the best defensive midfielder in the world. Which, you know, how are you how are you missing Thomas Partey if Declan Rice is the best in the world? How does that work? Because if Thomas Partey is better than Declan Rice, then Declan Rice can't be the best in the world. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying there? So, uh, Arsenal out of the cup. And I think it's looking like another trophyless season for Mikel Arteta, despite 620 million spent. 
it looks like another trophyless season. They're fourth in the league. They would be fifth if Spurs hadn't had so many injuries. Do we fancy them to win the European Cup? Because I don't. I don't fancy them to get really beyond the last eight. Draw dependent, of course, but I don't fancy them to make any real impression in the latter stages of the Champions League. Um, so there we have it. That That is what we have. We have uh, a draw to be made tonight at 10 to 8. Maidstone, like I said, are the lowest ranked team remaining. We have replays to be had between Everton and Crystal Palace, Wolves and Brentford, Bristol Rovers and Norwich, Eastleigh and Newport, Birmingham and Hull, Bolton and Luton, Bristol and West Ham, and Blackpool and Nottingham Forest. And the blow here for the Premier League clubs that have to have a replay is that they now lose out on having the little winter break because next weekend, only half the Premier League teams play. Then the following weekend, the other half play. So each team is getting a week off. But the teams that have to do the FA Cup replays, they don't get their week off. They get an extra game, which is less than ideal. Less than ideal. So Fulham are through, Spurs are through, Ipswich are through, Leicester are through, Coventry, Maidstone, Newcastle, Brighton, Southampton, Watford, Blackburn, Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Plymouth, Hull, no, sorry, not Hull, Middles, uh, Villa, Sheffield Wednesday, Swansea, Chelsea, Shrewsbury, West Brom, Leeds, Manchester City, and Liverpool. They're the teams that are through so far. Tonight, Wigan Athletic host Manchester United. United, obviously, heavily favoured to win it. Uh, did find Eric Ten Hag's recent comments very, very amusing. He said they t- still have two trophies to fight for, the Premier League and the FA Cup. That man thinks his team are fighting for the Premier League. Uh, they are fighting to stay in the top half of the Premier League. We have a quick gander across at the Premier League table. You'll see Liverpool on 45 points. And if you look way, way down in eighth place, 14 points behind Liverpool, you will see Manchester United. And if you look just below them, you'll see Chelsea three points behind them with a superior goal difference. They're in 10th. You'll see Wolves level with Chelsea on points, also having a better goal difference than Manchester United. They're 11th. And then Birmingham, uh, sorry, Bournemouth. Now, they're six points behind, but they do have a game in hand. The goal difference is worse, but if they were to win that game by, say, two clear goals, their goal difference would be the same as Manchester United. And were United to lose a game and Bournemouth to win a game, it wouldn't take much for them to overtake United. So if I was Eric Ten Hag, rather than waffling about competing for the Premier League, which is now completely gone. United have no hope of winning the Premier League. They're nine points off top four. They're eight points off fifth. I would say they have no chance of getting Champions League. They do obviously have a chance to finish sixth. You probably back them to get more points than West Ham across the rest of the season, more points than Brighton. But at the same time, They might not. If this horrendous form continues, would it be a surprise if they dropped into the bottom half? If Chelsea find form, if Newcastle find form, I mean, they're very quickly in 10th position. And then if one of Wolves or Bournemouth carry on their decent run of form from late. I mean, Wolves have won three in a row. Bournemouth, I think, had won five of six before their most recent defeat to Spurs. It wouldn't be a surprise if United, with one win in five in the league, 
ended up dropping into the bottom half, just briefly. But I would say there's, there's more chance of that happening than of them getting top four. So, um, yeah, maybe Eric Ten Hag needs to have a little a little rest because clearly his mind is not his own at the moment. Um, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we will go through the news, the gossip, and a little bit of sad news. So I'll see you in a sec. And welcome back. So we begin with some sad news in the last part of today's pod. Uh, Mario Zagallo, legendary Brazilian player, manager, passed away over the weekend at the age of 92. Um, a guy who, in many ways, defines Brazilian football, particularly in terms of their World Cup success. Um He's involved in six World Cup finals and won four World Cups. He won it as a player in 58 and 62, won it as manager in 1970, and then was the assistant manager in 1994. Uh, he was also the manager in 70, in 74 and the assistant manager in... 98, and then was a technical assistant involved in the squad with planning and such in 2006. So, like, he really does define so much of Brazil's World Cup history. 02, obviously, not the one he's not involved in. Um, he was awarded the FIFA Order of Merit, which is the highest honour awarded by FIFA for his contributions to football in 1992. He was named the ninth greatest manager of all time by World Soccer Magazine back in 2013. And he was the last surviving player who had played in the 1958 World Cup. So that team has now all passed on. He had his playing career with Flamengo and Botafogo. And then his managerial career, I mean, he was he was quite the journeyman, um, really. Actually, I'm, I'm wrong about 98. He was the manager in 98, wasn't he? He'd taken over for the second, the third time, actually, his third third spell as manager. Um, but he was quite the journeyman in terms of his footballing managerial career. But a lot of Brazilian managers tend to do this. He was with Botafogo. Then he was with Brazil for a year, went back to Botafogo, then took over for Brazil while managing Brazil, he managed Fluminense, he managed Flamengo. That's always strange to me as well, the way managers will manage real, real proper rivals. Like, it happens in other countries. Like, we see it happen the odd time in Italy. Like, someone will manage AC Milan, and then a few years later, they'll manage Juve or they'll manage Inter or, you know, whatever combination. Like, Capello, for example, managed AC and then later managed Juve. Lippi managed Juve and then went to Inter. Like, it's just weird. Um, but Fluminense and Flamengo is even a more hotly fought rivalry. You just, you couldn't imagine, say, for example, Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool and then going to be Manchester United manager. You couldn't imagine Pep Guardiola going back to manage Real Madrid given his connections to Barcelona, but it's just different in some countries. Uh, he managed Botafogo again, then Kuwait, then Botafogo again, Al-Halal, Vasco da Gama, Saudi Arabia, Flamengo again, Botafogo again, Bangu, then the United Arab Emirates, then Vasco da Gama, then he was the assistant manager with Brazil, then he was the manager of Brazil, then he was with Portuguese, then he went back to Flamengo again. And then he was the caretaker for Brazil for a brief stint after the 2002 World Cup. And then he was a coordinator, technical assistant um, after that. What a career, though. What an incredible career. Went into the America Academy in Rio de Janeiro at the age of 17 
and never left the game until 2006. 58 years. 58 years in the game. Genuinely incredible. Quality player, obviously. Two World Cups. One... Five Rio de Janeiro state championships and two Rio uh, Sao Paulo cups was picked in the all-star team of the 1962 World Cup. And as a player, he's in the Brazilian Football Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. Yeah, passed on at 92. So may he rest in peace. Uh, moving on then. Brazil look like they're about to appoint a new manager. Uh, Dorival Jr., the manager of Sao Paulo. He has left Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo and it, it appears like he will take on the Brazilian job based on what he's had to say, based on what Sao Paulo said when he was departing. <clears throat> Nothing I don't think official from Brazil yet, but it does look like it's trending that way. Um, he's, he's another journeyman. He's another journeyman manager. He's been managing since 2002. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. 24. Brazil will be his 25th job in 22 years. The longest he's ever stayed in a job was with Santos from 2015 to 2017. He was there two years. It's the only time he's managed a club He's 127 games there. The next highest he had anywhere was with Figueres in his second only job. 81 games there. He hasn't exactly lit the world on fire with Sao Paulo either. It's a lot of six months here, six months there. Like, for example, he was with Sao Paulo from April. 54 games, full the full year. Before that, he was with Flamengo for six months. Before that, he was with Kera for three months. Eight months at Paranines. Uh, three months with Flamengo. Nine months with Sao Paulo the first time. Uh, with Santos, he was there for two years. Palmeiras, he lasted three months. Fluminense, one month. Vasco da Gama, four months. Flamengo, before that, eight months. Internacional, basically 11 months. Um, Atletico Mineiro, 11 months. Santos, the first time around, he lasted nine months. Like, there's nothing about his managerial track record that screams that he should be the Brazil manager. But when you look at what he's actually done there, done at the different clubs, like he won the Brazilian Cup with Sao Paulo. He won it the year before with Flamengo. He also won the Libertadores. Um, you know, like he has had success. But he just doesn't doesn't seem to stick anywhere. be really interested to see how he does with Brazil because that is a job where there's incredible amounts of pressure. It's really strange that like he takes over with Flamengo from Paulo Sosa, who'd been sacked, wins the Brazilian Cup and the Copa Libertadores and then leaves. They don't even offer him a new contract. Really, really strange. But I hope he does well. It's he's won from the the unbeaten track. Brazil thinking outside the box. 
it's a it's a drastic change from going for Carlo Ancelotti though to one of the most high profile managers in the world to a a journeyman really like that's what he has been. Ivan Tony wants to repay Thomas Frank and club for support during his ban. Ivan Tony says he wants to replay Tom repay Thomas Frank and the club for the support they showed during his eight month ban for betting breaches. He could make his return at home to Nottingham Forest in the Premier League on the 20th of January. Thomas Frank has done has been nothing but the biggest help I could have asked for. The whole club has. For putting extra sessions on for me, for taking the time to put the session on, to go outside when it's raining when they're not supposed to be in. I have a lot to repay them, and I can't wait to try and do that. The fans were behind me. Even when I wasn't at the games, they were singing in my name. A friend of mine sent me a video of the fans singing my name. I got goosebumps to know they're still behind me, even though I'm not there. I mean, they have missed him. They have missed him something shocking. It'll be interesting to see what happens. There's been some suggestion that he might sign a new contract. I don't see that happening. But if he does want to repay them, even if it's, you know, he signs a contract with a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that he's still leaving. But it guarantees them a big fee in the summer because obviously come summer, he's only got 12 months left on his deal. And that normally would mean that he gets, he goes for a lower fee than what Brentford are asking for now, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, right. Let's get into the gossip. Then we'll do three days worth. Uh, Bayern Munich are on t- <laughs> Bayern Munich and talks for Eric Dyer. That's magnificent. This is great. This is great. Manchester United <coughs> will pay the majority of Jaden Sancho's wa- wages if he goes back to Borussia Dortmund on loan. And the report is a 25 million buy price, a loan with an option to buy for 25 million. So United would pay the majority of his wages and then lose 50 million on him. Doesn't seem like very good business. Doesn't seem like good business to put a buy option in there anyway, given Ten Hag might not be there come the end of the season. Uh, Arsenal have expressed an interest in signing for Kyle Tomore. Um, I don't really see him as a particularly good fit there, but it is Steve Kay and he is a spoofer, so he's probably just made that up. Juventus have pulled out of the race to sign... Calvin Phillips, who is also wanted by Newcastle. West Ham are open to selling Naif Agar this month. I have doubts that's true. And he's gone to AFCON, so nothing's going to happen. Roma and AC Milan have made a move to sign Agar, who is valued at 30 million. Again, I just don't see it happening. Crystal Palace and former France and the 21 winger Michael Elise is being closely monitored by Liverpool, Chelsea and Manchester City. And I believe Manchester United as well. Spanish side Villarreal have renewed their interest in Facundo Palestri with Eric Ten Hag willing to let the Uruguay international leave. Again, I wouldn't be selling him because you don't want to... I wouldn't be doing anything for Eric Ten Hag at this point if I was United. Um, Tottenham will face competition from Napoli to sign Radu Dragazin. I assume that one gets done for Spurs in the next week or so. Spurs will make Jed Spence available for transfer after Leeds cut his loan spell short. I thought Spurs recalled him. Hmm. Turkish side Fenerbahce are, clean, are keen to sign Anthony Martial. I think he'd do well in Turkey, to be fair. Brighton have activated a 7.9 million release clause for Valentin Barco, who has also been linked with Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea and Real Madrid. That'd be a great signing for them. Uh, Aston Villa and Brighton are interested in Crescencio Somerville. Don't really see Brighton as having any need for him. Villa for depth, maybe. I don't think he gets into their team, though. Roma boss Jose Mourinho has denied having contact with the Brazilian Football Federation with a view to taking over the job in July 2024. I wonder I wonder what Brazil are going to do. Like The, the new manager is obviously coming in but is he coming in long-term? Is he coming in short-term? Are they still on the look for a big-name manager? Mourinho would be horrendous for Brazil. I mean, you couldn't pick a worse manager for Brazil 
I think he could do great stuff in international football, but not with Brazil. Nottingham Forest are interested in Jose Sa. That one's been rumoured for a while. Celtic and Rangers are both monitoring Scott McKenna of Nottingham Forest. I don't quite like him at Celtic, to be fair. Brentford are set to sign Turkish under-18 midfielder Yunus Emre Konak from Sivaspor. He's 17 years of age. Sevilla have made an official approach to Chelsea to have David Datro Fafana join them immediately in a loan deal. Um, He's already out on loan. He's at Union Berlin. Now, I know he doesn't play every game for them and he hasn't done well there. I think he's got two goals in like 15 games or something. But still, I I, I don't think there is an option for him to go immediately. I, I would imagine, unless there's a break clause in the loan, which I doubt there is, Union Berlin would would have to give their go-ahead, and I just don't see why they'd do that. Um, This is my favourite story ever. England midfielder Jordan Henderson wants to return to the Premier League from Saudi Arabian side Al-Etifak and will consider any offers the club receives this month. You have no idea how much joy I have over this. Conor Gallagher is expected to remain at Chelsea this month despite interest from Tottenham in the 23-year-old midfielder. Chelsea could move for Henderson, which would increase the likelihood of Gallagher moving on. No, they couldn't. He's not Premier League calibre anymore. He's Championship calibre. And if he's going to come back to England, it should be to Sunderland or such. He would be a horrendous signing for Chelsea. He was genuinely garbage for Liverpool for three years. And he's been poor for Al Etifak, who've gone from seventh in the league last year to eighth in the league with him leading the way. Um, Manchester United are interested in Michael Lisa and could use Aaron Wan-Bissaka as part of an exchange deal. That's nonsense. Um, Wolves are looking at loan moves in the transfer window with Danny Ings among the priorities. Okay. Uh, Everton are trying to usurp Sevilla to sign Hannibal Mejbri on loan from Manchester United. I don't think he'd get enough games at Everton. I don't know how many games he'd get at Sevilla, but I don't think he'd get enough games at Everton. They've got a decent midfield group. West Ham are considering a move for Steven Bergwijn. Didn't work last time he was in England. I don't think that would be a clever move. Manchester City are willing to wait until the summer before trying to sign Joshua Kimmich. Okay. Kevin De Bruyne remains a top target for the Saudi Pro League in the summer transfer window. I think so many players going over there and not liking it is going to turn off future potential moves. Borussia Dortmund have moved closer to signing Ian Matson after reaching a verbal agreement on a six-month loan. If they got Matson and Sancho and got them teaming up on the left wing, I think that could be very, very interesting. Latour Martinez says he's close to signing a new contract with Inter Milan. Juventus are trying to reach an agreement with Lille's 23-year-old Portuguese centre-back, Thiago Jallo, who is also wanted by Inter Milan. He's good. I do like Thiago Jallo. Bayern Munich are not giving up their chase for Ron Rejo, although an offer for the 24-year-old is unlikely to be accepted in the January window. Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta is unlikely to recall Kieran Tierney from his loan. I don't think he's got the option to. I think that's a straight loan. I don't think he's an option to call him back. West Ham and Jamaica forward Mikel Antonio faces a further two to three weeks on the sidelines after a setback in his injury recovery. And then finally, Mondays, uh, Kylian Mbappe has agreed to join Real Madrid. It still hasn't been reported by by anybody reliable. But I think everybody knows that's what it's going to end up with. Uh, Madrid have offered Mbappe less money than they did in their discussions in 2022. Mbappe could move to the Premier League, according to the Times. Juventus have pulled out of the race to sign Calvin Phillips because of the loan fee and breakdown of his salary. They've also dropped their interest in Pierre-Emile Heusberg with the fee proving too costly. The end of 
Juve's interest in Phillips could boost Newcastle's chances of signing him. Liverpool could land a seven-figure windfall if Jordan Henderson is sold by Al Etifak. That sounds impressive until you realise seven figures is one million quid. <laughs> um, no one's going to pay real money for him. Everton have set a 60 million fee for Amadou Onana with Arsenal looking to make a move for the 22-year-old Belgium midfielder. Arsenal don't have 60 million and there's, I just don't see any possible way Everton would sell him in January when they're in a relegation scrap. <clears throat> Chelsea, Tottenham and AC Milan have all watched John Clare Debo, but the French club hope to keep hold of him in the January transfer market. Barcelona have reportedly been offered the chance to sign Jesse Lingard. This is one of my favourite stories going as well, that Jesse Lingard has offered himself to Barcelona. Um, apparently, Jordan Henderson has also offered himself to Bayern Munich. Um, this is great stuff. Ivan Tony says he's unfinished business. Right? I've been through that. Uh, Juventus are ready to open contract extension talks with Weston McKenney. This time a year ago, they couldn't wait to get rid of him, and now they want to offer him a new deal. Uh, Mikel Arteta says the club's chances of signing a striker in the January window are not realistic because they have no money. West Ham will look to make a move for Max Kilman if they sell Naif Agard this month. Sean Logstaff could be way could be on his way out of Newcastle if the right offer comes along. I, not under how how won't how won't give in to selling him. He's too important to Eddie Howe right now. Uh, and finally, Tottenham are hoping to complete the deal for Radu Dragosin by the end of the week. So that is everything. That's all I have. I'm out of breath. I'm out of time. I'll see you all tomorrow. I'll take care. Bye bye. I'll take care. You take care. Bye bye. Podcast Network.